1: Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We have entered a new era, ladies and gentlemen, and you're going to need to brace yourselves for a wave of a citizen's revolution. But this is no ordinary revolution. This is the one where the overprivileged champagne socialists and various 'er ne'er-do-well agent provocateurs attempt to change society and bend it to their warped ideology. I am, of course, talking about the lefties. And there is only one question to ask this beautiful morning uh, in what is a very, very lovely uh, day in London. Has the left gone absolutely stark staring bonkers mad. I offer you several examples of how their wokeness is now poisoning every facet of our lives, how the vile trolls on Twitter have been piling onto the account of Yorkshire tea in an attempt to convince anyone and everyone to boycott the company. Their reasoning? The new Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, had the temerity to pose with some Yorkshire tea bags just like Jeremy Corbyn did and they've gone completely off-the-scale nuts. Yesterday, Lawrence Fox admitted defeat to the lefty maniac who effectively curtailed his ability to work as an actor, uh, and he blames Equity, in particular the Actors' Union, for let's not forget, putting out a statement which said everyone should shun him. Why? Simply because he said some things on Question Time that they didn't like. He announced that his mental health has suffered, and he's leaving Twitter, but they don't care, because he's not one of them. The final piece of the jigsaw is a video released yesterday of a woman buying up all the right-wing newspapers at. News agents, so she could dump them in a bin to, in her words, save democracy. Turns out she's a posh actress with a double-barrelled name. These people cannot be allowed to win. Join me, please, this morning on the Independent Republican, Mike Graham. We want to hear from you, of course, as well, uh, because you are the voices of common sense. I'll be talking to Christopher Snowden from the Institute of Economic Affairs, who will be, I'm sure, just as incandescent as I am about this. Except, of course, what we don't do is try and get everybody fired. 0344 499 1000. Later on, I'm joined by Donald MacLeod, columnist and promoter from Glasgow. He'll be telling me what he makes of the SNP's latest problems, because they've got plenty of them, and why he's not buying an electric car anytime soon. You know the number... Zero three four 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 nine nine one thousand. You're listening to me and watching me live on YouTube, where we are streaming right now. We are the fastest growing radio station in the world. There's a very good reason for that because we ain't woke. This is Talk Radio, mid morning with Mike Graham, Talk Radio. Now, if anything personifies the most ludicrous aspect of what, as Julie Hartley Brewer just described, as the kind of guerrilla tactics of the hard left, it is this nonsensical campaign to try and get everybody and anybody to boycott Yorkshire tea. Why? Uh, because Rishi Sunak actually posted a picture of himself holding a big bag of Yorkshire tea because guess what? He's actually an MP from Yorkshire. He also happens to be not a white person. Now, can you imagine the outrage that would be set upon anybody uh, who was on the right side of politics, and I use that word in all senses of it, um, basically having a go at somebody uh, of an Asian persuasion? You'd be told you were a racist, you'd be told everybody knows why you're criticising them. The world has gone mad, the left has gone mad, and it's time for those of us who are not mad to call them out. Let's talk to Christopher Snowden, uh, who is, of course, from the Institute of Economic Affairs. Chris, a very good morning to you morning mike thank you very much for joining us um i've decided we've just basically reached peak craziness and it's time we stopped ignoring it and it's time we started uh, talking about it
2: well i think you may have a point there based on this yorkshire tea story yesterday which really was genuinely deranged Mm. i mean twitter has allowed a voice to a lot of people who we would previously probably be blissfully ignorant yes And I dare say there are plenty of people on the sensible left who are holding their head in their hands when they see these people kind of representing uh, left-wing politics. But um, the examples you give there are all, are all good ones. I mean, I could also add into the mix, I don't know if you saw the video of the um, lady asking a question of Rebecca Long-Bailey. At her, um, oh, is this
1: the one about the traitors in the northeast? Yeah, yes. all
2: that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, this this does nobody any favours, it doesn't do the left any favours. Um, I I don't think it does their own mental health uh, much good either. Um, I think what it comes down to is, it's a bit of a cliche perhaps, but it's often said that the right think that the left are mistaken, whereas the left think that the right are evil. (laughs) That's very true, isn't it? And if you're in an echo chamber where everything is the fault of the Daily Mail and the sun, then you can see, more or less, how you could get steamed up to this kind of level, particularly if you're kind of on the borders of mental health. Well, exactly.
1: And also, people say that, you know, this is not the regular Labour Party. This is, of course, you know, the kind of, you know, military wing, if you like, of the Labour Party. But actually, if you remember back to the days immediately after the election result, which Boris won uh, with a magnificent 80-seat majority, a lot of Labour MPs uh, who did win their seats, some who lost, actually said uh, that the people were somehow brainwashed by the media i mean that was one of jeremy corbyn's lines so so it's not right to say this is not being fed by the mainstream party
2: yeah and it's it's a bit of a cul-de-sac for them to go down to to, to, to blame the media i mean the, the sun the mail in particular have been the uh, scapegoats for uh, left-wing defeats for many many years yeah. now um but they seem to kind of get the supply and demand the wrong way around i mean if uh, uh, you know, the, the, the Sun, for example, when when Rupert Murdoch took it over in around about 1970, it was originally a Labour-supporting paper. Yeah. it was a Labour-supporting paper under Blair again. Yes, um, they tend to reflect the views of their readership rather than try and enforce views upon their uh, readership. Exactly. so there is a constituency very obviously for the kind of politics that um, the the Sun, the male broadly espoused. And if there was more demand for the kind of politics in the Daily Mirror and the Guardian, then they would be the biggest selling papers in the country, but they're, they're not. So you're really shooting the messenger when you go after the, the tabloid press, uh, which which is, of course, you know, uh, of um, less and less importance as, uh, as the years go on. And it's things like Twitter and social media which become more important, and these guys are extremely active yeah. on it. But we saw in the election that Twitter is no, uh, is, is no barometer at all of uh, general feeling about politics in the country.
3: Well, exactly right.
1: And I mean, I think it would be very, very difficult to make a case for any newspaper endorsing any prime minister or any future prime minister, and actually making that uh, making that win uh, because the, the the video that I referred to earlier, and I think we're going to listen to a little bit of it here. The video that I was referring to earlier uh, shows a woman uh, basically dumping buying a load of newspapers in the newsagents, and I believe it's on election day because it looks as though from the headlines that the papers are all endorsing Boris Johnson. Let's have a listen to this.
4: And into the bin we shall throw the Daily Tory Graph. And into the bin, holding it at arm's length so I don't get cancer the daily fail racist xenophobic homophobic right-wing crap and i don't even know if i want to actually touch this but i suppose i have to for the good of my country the bull (laughs) lying victim blaming racist horrendous son (laughs) you guys and that is me doing my bit for democracy
1: yeah, how'd that work out for you, dear? It uh, didn't work out too well because uh, they lost. And it turns out as well, uh, Chris, that you will come, it will come as no surprise to you uh, that apparently this woman uh, has been discovered uh, by some people. As uh, She's an English actress, she's an activist, she's a writer, she's a director. Uh, she votes in the BAFTA Awards, apparently. Um, you just can't make it up, can you?
3: Oh well, I
2: think that part of it is fairly predictable. Actually, I mean, whenever you see these kind of videos, it's only a question of which public school they went to. Um, so, yeah, well, I mean, she's a she's a performer. That was a bit of a performance. It presumably went down very well with her uh, target audience, but for the median voter and the the, the people who are kind of in the middle and who swing elections, I, I don't think it's a great advertisement for her kind of politics.
1: It really isn't. But I mean. Is it because of social media that these people have sort of somehow coagulated together and made themselves into this kind of flash mob, which is what they're doing? And they're, they're after Piers Morgan more or less every single day of the week. They go after individuals and then kind of chase them until they can they win, like Lawrence Fox. I mean, Lawrence Fox started off as a guy on Question Time who said something that very few people will say um, and who appeared to be quite comfortable in his skin. But they basically worn him down to the point where he's just gone, you know, I can't take this anymore and I've got to think about my future, and I've got to think about protecting my children and making enough money, and effectively equity have made it almost impossible for me to get a job.
2: Yeah, and I don't think you can underestimate how stressful it is to be under constant bombardment. and it seemed like he was handling it pretty well, but I've um, fortunately myself never been at the, uh, the receiving end of that volume of abuse um but it clearly does grind you down after a while mm. and various people who seem to be handling it quite well initially do often often buckle and yet you can only be sympathetic uh, to it you know there there is a massive problem with um social media uh, and twitter i think in particular and we're only in the really quite early days of, of understanding what affects these kind of um, portals are having on, on society and on public debate. Uh, I suspect that there'll be pros and cons to it, but you've got a medium there where at a very minimal effort, with very minimal effort, you can make your voice heard to Piers Morgan or Lawrence Fox or whoever it is. And there is a performative element to it where you are trying to impress the in-group and that means always taking it further and further and, and showing that you are the one who cares about this particular issue more than um, anybody else, that you're, you're more virtuous than other people. And so it escalates. And. It's very different to the days when you would have to make the effort of writing a letter, buying a stamp, and and putting it in the letterbox.
1: Yes, yeah, that was always more difficult. We used to call them the Green Ink Brigade in uh, newspaper, in the old newspaper days, when we used to get these letters Mm. that would come in, clearly written uh, by people who were not quite all there. Uh, But the thing that bothers me um, is the vitriol with which some of these people um, attack various, um, you know, kind of um, enemies as as they see them. Uh, But the power that they also get, because the more people like Lawrence Fox walk away. The more empowered they will feel,
2: yes, and you know it's very tempting to say these, these people should stay strong and maybe just turn off twitter for a, for a little while or don't look at the replies. Um, but yeah, you know, I can only imagine what it's like to be getting tens of thousands of abusive emails, threats, yeah. threats to your family, um, all that kind of thing. We right. see it on a on a literally a weekly basis now. There's usually at least one of these kind of incidents. So one of the kind of uh, hate, hate mobs going after a particular person uh, every week. They are nearly always on, on the right, although there are some exceptions. And I dare say people like Owen Jones get a huge amount of abuse as well. This is not entirely a left-wing thing by any means, but it does seem, um, for various reasons, that it has been the left. Um, you know, in, the, in the age of Twitter, I mean, uh, Twitter has really only been widely used over the course of the last 10 years when the Tories
1: have been in government. Right. And I think the other thing to remember, and you're right to say that Owen Jones gets a lot of abuse as well, and of course there was a recent court case where he actually was attacked, and and nobody would want to see that in any situation for anybody, regardless of what their beliefs are. But I don't see anyone from uh, any other side, apart from the left, who try to actually shut down conversation, who try to make out that you shouldn't be talking about these things. In the case of Lawrence Fox, you know, he expounds one or two views which were certainly not extreme, and which are held by many people in this country, he's been forced basically off the TV as a result.
2: Yes, this is this is true. I mean, it's, it's a sad it's state of affairs, it really is, because I don't think actually Lawrence Fox was being particularly outrageous no, on, on Question Time. Question Time doesn't have that many people watching it to begin with. So, um, yeah, I think these people are always looking for um, an enemy, looking for a target, and once they find a target, they tend to build that person up um, to be uh, a, a much more Um, you know, outspoken and extremist figure than they actually are in in practice. But I I don't see any solution to this. You know, I'm in favour of Twitter. I I, I think a lot of the problems come from people having anonymous accounts, but I wouldn't be in favour of um, what Diane Abbott has suggested, which is that nobody should be allowed to speak anonymously on Twitter because I, I, I do see legitimate reasons why... Uh,
1: Well, people defend their uh, their anonymous accounts by saying, oh, well, the thing is, if I had uh, my name attached to it, then I might be in danger of losing my job because of some of my views. Well, I'm sorry, that's not a reason for me to have an anonymous account. It's a reason to talk to your employer about why you should be able to have views uh, which are not in some way going to get you fired,
2: isn't it? Well, I don't know, because I mean, that could work you know, both ways, couldn't it? I mean, if you're working in the NHS, let's say, yeah. and you have conservative opinions, that will probably not make you very popular with many of your Yeah, but colleagues. that's wrong. And I so, don't know if it is. I mean, I just think that Twitter should probably have more features on there where you can delete replies, for example. Right. Uh, and also when you can just uh, hide all replies from anonymous accounts. Yes. Or, or something like that. I mean, I think there is a lot more Twitter could do without actually blocking people, without creating criminal offences, just to allow people to have more control over what they're seeing and who's replying to them. Because there are so many sock puppet accounts out there. A very large number of anonymous accounts are, are people who've been banned before. They're, they're trolls, they're up to no good. Yeah. And I, I don't think that uh, the solution is to get rid of anonymous accounts. But they always get around general, it. And- there, are, there are definitely, there is a call for it for, for some people, perfectly legitimate reasons, mm. whistleblowers and so on. But I think someone like Lawrence Fox should be able to go on there and change their settings so that they can block out all the, the filth and rubbish.
1: Yes, absolutely right. I mean, you and I spoke on, on the Off Air show last week about the, the problem with uh, with the way that, the, that some of social media operate. And, I mean, I, I take your point that you don't want to necessarily give control only to certain people. But by the same token, you know, you must get quite a bit of abuse as well because, of course, you p- position yourself on the right of a lot of arguments. You're also um, always being uh, asked and demanded of as to where you get your money from uh, and where's the funding coming from and all of that. You know, there is a very, very um, completely biased way that the, the, the social media system seems to work.
2: I'm not sure if he's biased by the social media people. I just think that there are a huge number of very angry lefties around who um, don't seem to have a lot to do in the daytime.
1: Because they keep losing.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, that's bound to make them angrier than the people who are winning, I would, I would have thought. But also, they seem to have an enormous amount of time on their hands. I mean, that's they all also seem, true. For example, to be able to watch Politics Live, which is a daytime politics right. programme watched by know, a couple of hundred thousand people. But as soon as um, any of my colleagues are on there, they're, they're straight at the end of... Uh... But do
1: you remember, I mean, you remember the old days, I'm sure, when Alistair Campbell was running the world, and uh, he would get people to phone in to radio shows um, who were kind of, as you say, the equivalent of a sock puppet account on Twitter, where they were basically, um, you know, sort of labour, apparatchiks, mm. who would make out that they were just members of the public. I'm sure that still goes on, but it seems as if it's moved now and, and sort of multiplied into hundreds of, of fake accounts and hundreds of people who can join in on a kind of a mass trolling episode.
2: Yeah, well, we don't know how many of the, the, the accounts are duplicates mm. and how many of them are fake. I, I dare say there's there's quite a few of them. I do notice... I don't actually get that much abuse, funnily enough, on Twitter. I've only blocked a few hundred Well, you're obviously not trying hard enough. Well, I'm so. a very charming and... You moderate are. Person, Listen, you know, I've like, always said that. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> so I don't get that much. But I, I do notice that when I get it, it tends to be an account that's been set up in the last few weeks. Yes. One or two followers. Right. And again, I think there could be a setting on Twitter perhaps to kind of uh, just automatically block those people until they've been on there for a while or something.
3: Yes,
1: they could be a lot cleverer about it. But in the meantime, Christopher, uh, what would your advice be to people who are getting attacked on Twitter? I mean, because rather than um, just giving in, which I know some people do just because it's it's better for them, um, I mean, what's your advice?
2: I would say if you're at the end, uh, if you're the receiving end of, of one of these things, just turn off the app mm. for a few days. You know, yeah. if you're absolutely deluged with this kind of abuse, um, just just don't look at it. And I know it's very tempting to to have a look and see what's going on, but I, I would be very tempted uh, to either not look at it or just to uh, g- grin and bear it mm. because these things will pass. I mean, and Lawrence Fox was encouraging it, it, has to be said. You know, he was he was playing with these trolls. He was, yeah. for quite some time. Um, and it wasn't obvious to anybody following him uh, actually how upset he was by this abuse.
1: Right, and that's the problem. In the end, there's only one of him, and there's an awful lot of them. Christopher, thank you very much indeed. Christopher Snowden there uh, from the Institute of Economic Affairs, talking a great deal of sense, as he always does, Um, because the problem here seems to me to be this kind of guerrilla force that's out there, these horrible, ghastly disgusting individuals uh, who will say the most awful, terrible things to people um, and wish them dead, you know, uh, wish them um, to die of a heart attack, wish them to be sacked, wish them to you know, have something happen to their children. I mean, you would not believe what these people do. They're now going after Yorkshire tea just because the Chancellor of the Exchequer, uh, one of the foremost politicians in the land, posed with a picture of some Yorkshire tea. I mean, what is going on? Have they completely lost the plot? mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk
0: Radio. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk
1: Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We've got loads of your calls. We'll take loads, loads of your calls, of course. Don't forget, you can tweet us at Talk Radio. You can text us at 87222. The number, of course, is 0344 We're live streaming as well on YouTube. Uh, go ahead and watch it there. Like it and subscribe. You can also watch us on Facebook uh, and on Twitter too. Uh, of course, uh, lots of other stories going on today, and we will be talking about all of those. Uh, but first of all, we have to talk about the one big story that's on the front page, and it is, of course, Harvey Weinstein. Uh, his sexual assault and rape convictions being described as the start of a new day for survivors of sexual assault. He's been found guilty of the trial in New York. Talk Radio's Ollie Cole has the full story.
5: Once a Hollywood kingmaker, a producer and media mogul with 81 Oscars to his name. i am going to go edit a movie, but I'll meet you somewhere. I'll meet you for a drink. Harvey Weinstein faces up to 29 years in prison, found guilty of sexual assault and rape in a landmark trial in New York. In 2006, the 67-year-old attacked a production assistant at his apartment. He then went on to target another woman in 2013. Allegations about the movie producer's behavior, first reported in the New York Times in 2017, saw dozens of accusers come forward. It would give rise to a movement that would change the way the world talked about consent and abuse of power.
6: The Me Too movement. Me Too
4: movement. The Me Too movement. Me Too movement. Me Too movement. Hashtag Me Too.
5: As accusations emerged, Weinstein was sacked by the board of his company and all but banished from Hollywood. But Weinstein wouldn't be charged until May 2018. Now, New York's County District Attorney Cyrus Vance Jr. says the convictions mark a new day.
0: Their verdict turned the page in our justice system on men like harvey weinstein
5: those who came forward with their me too stories have also welcomed the verdict we've really
7: come a long way i don't think harvey weinstein ever thought he'd see this day
5: and i'm grateful
0: that my speaking out along with these women has made a difference it feels
5: like a victory it feels like justice is served the former hollywood producer was cleared of more serious charges including predatory sexual assault It's not the end of the story for allegations against him, though. He faces prosecution in other states. Lawyer Gloria Allred represents some of his accusers.
3: Justice has been a long time
6: coming, but it's finally here. And it's not the end, because L.A. is still going to proceed.
5: It took around 90 women to come forward, and there are now two convictions. The 67-year-old will be sentenced next month.
6: It's no longer business as usual. ...in the United States. This is the age of empowerment of women. And you cannot intimidate them anymore.
1: It's a remarkable story, and the front pages this morning reflecting that... ...Weinstein faces jail after being convicted of rape on the front of The Guardian... ...arrogance of a monster uh, in the Daily Mail... ...a sex beast is what they call him uh, on the front of the mirror... Um, ...and just a ghastly and terrible man... uh, ...who has done his level best while the case has been going on... ...to convince himself that it was never going to find him guilty... Um, he was coming into the court every single day using a walker, trying to make himself look like a sort of decrepit old man, as if he couldn't possibly have ever carried out any of these types of offences, which he's clearly been doing uh, for most of his working life. Let's talk to Danielle Parsons, uh, who's lawyer at Slater and Gordon. Danielle, very good morning to you. Welcome.
6: Good morning Mike and thank you so much for having
1: me on the show. Not at all. I'm assuming obviously in America this will lead to more civil action and there will be people seeking damages from him perhaps who were slightly less brave than than those women who did follow through with the criminal case but there are likely to be other criminal cases possibly and even maybe some from this part of the world?
6: Yeah, absolutely. He still faces charges of rape and sexual assault in Los Angeles. There are other cases still under review, and I think that this is just the tip of a very large iceberg.
1: Yes, and of course he was given a CBE uh, by, by the British film business in this country, which, which now looks very misguided and ill-judged. Is, is there any chance that that, I know there's a campaign to have it removed, um, what do you know about that?
3: Well,
6: my understanding is most of the awards he's already been stripped of, he's been thrown out of the Oscars Academy, he was a member of BAFTA, they stripped him of his membership, and as far as I know, lots of other awards that he has received have have been taken away and rescinded, which, which I think is right.
1: Yes, absolutely. I, I can't imagine uh, why that wouldn't be the case. I think there were very few people by the time the case began uh, who, could, who could even see his, his own view uh, that was the, you know, this was all consensual sex and it was just might be a bit sleazy. I mean, his lawyer, I remember standing on the court steps outside uh, the Manhattan court saying, you know, you might say that Harvey Weinstein's not a very nice man but he hasn't committed any crime. Well, I'm sorry, it looks as though uh, the jury disagreed.
6: They absolutely disagree. They have found him guilty. They have found him guilty of, of rape and a criminal sexual act. He's, he's now going to face up to 29 years in prison. They say that they're appealing. And, and shockingly, immediately after this verdict, which was a damning, damning verdict, his, his lawyer has said to the press that his client has said, I'm innocent. How can this happen in America?
1: Um, It's extraordinary, isn't it? It's
6: ridiculous.
1: Yeah, um, and and what grounds could they possibly have for an appeal? I mean, one of the noises they've been making seems to me to be about the fact that he couldn't get a fair trial in New York because it's impossible to find people who had never heard of him. I don't think that's going to wash, is it?
6: Well, I I have some very serious concerns about this. I mean, there's been almost 90 women that have come forward and accused him of sexual misconduct stretching back decades. And even though these most recent Charges that the, the verdict only applies to two two victims. Six six witnesses were involved in 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 this yeah. in this court proceedings.
3: Yeah. and
6: the judge has ordered him to jail immediately. I mean, this is a monster. This is a very dangerous, dangerous man who has abused his position. And, you know, perhaps the worst of all is that he seemed to get off on this. Mm. this, this power and control and abusing people that he knew were were, were unlikely to, to challenge him. And yeah. it has been like climbing a mountain for these victims to come forward and bring this case and, and try and speak out and be heard at all.
1: And, I mean, as much as he is clearly a, a very sick individual, um, a sex beast, as they call him in the mirror, I don't think that's wrong, Um it's, it's hard to imagine that he's the only one that behaved in this way.
6: Absolutely not. Again, I think that we need to be looking at all situations where there is this power dynamic and there are these you know, extremely powerful people in these positions, in very senior positions, in all organisations. I think we need to be scrutinising them, scrutinising their behaviour and the impact that they, that might be having on you know, subordinates, more junior colleagues and so on. I mean, these were people. These two women were working with him. Yeah. So, I mean, one was his production assistant who's clearly much more junior to him. And then the other was an aspiring actress.
1: And do you Act- think... Actress. The fact that, that she's an aspiring actress is is an interesting um, development in a way because, obviously, there's pictures of him in the newspapers today uh, with a whole panoply of, you know, A-list stars from Hollywood. You know, as much as um, you can tell that some of them look a bit uncomfortable in the pictures, um, some of them don't. You know, Emma Watson, Julia Roberts, Amanda Seyfried, Jennifer Lawrence, Scarlett Johansson, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Kate Winslet. You know, here he is pictured with all of them. He looks pretty creepy in a lot of the pictures, I have to say. Um... But it's interesting that, that apart from um, Annabella Sioria, uh, very few of them have said much.
3: Well,
6: I, 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 I'm not sure that it's the case that he attacked everyone, but certainly he attacked a very high number of people. I think it's for each and every woman to decide sure. what I am and I'm not comfortable with. No, I get that, but what be, I'm saying is, I wonder,
1: you know. I wonder how much of it was known. Um, and and kind of nobody really had the had the ability or or didn't feel as if they had the ability to take him on.
6: Yeah, I think that's, that's that's an issue here in this in this situation. I mean, certainly Seth MacFarlane said that he made a joke sometime before 2017 when these these allegations first became more publicly known right. and and came under the the, the world scrutiny. that that he did know because the friend had told him that he had harassed her. So, I mean, sometimes people do do know about these things. Yeah. But Um, I I think also victims shouldn't be pressed into coming forward before they're ready. And I think there's a lot of, of, of issues around what victim is ready to come forward and and who is not. And I think that's probably a personal decision. And I I think it would be wrong for people to be pressured to come forward and speak out before they're ready.
1: Yes, in fact, I thought thought it was very interesting how the judge described what he regarded as as rape you know and how it was almost a new definition which i think a lot of people will will take an interest in you know and as much as it doesn't matter if um if it wasn't complained about at the time it doesn't matter how long ago it happened it doesn't matter uh, whether the person uh, felt in some way pressurized you know this is still an offense and it can still be prosecuted well
6: absolutely and i think that this is a really important area to be aware of around consent i mean put simply it is someone who has not consented. And yeah. I think a, a lot of the time previously, we've thought about victims fighting back and so on. And it's not necessary for victims to fight back because a lot of the time they're not able to. I think sometimes in the situation where you are being sexually assaulted, you just numb and you're not able to fight back and you're not able to say, get off me. and You'll feel completely powerless. Mm. And I think that's what's particularly evil about these kinds of crimes they've the victim powerless in many situations
1: yeah i don't imagine if you find yourself in that situation that you could really quite believe it apart from anything else you're probably you know sitting there or standing there wondering what on earth to do
6: well, well yes i mean speaking from my own experience it is a terrible ordeal to be sexually assaulted mm. yeah. and and i've been in that situation myself and particularly for a younger person it is terrifying it's very hard to even process what is happening to you and the fact that you're losing control over your body and, and somebody else is trying to take control of it. It, it. It's a horrible, horrible, frightening thing. And certainly some of the, 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 test, the, the details of the testimonies I, I've read about the two women who, who were assaulted by Weinstein. I mean, it's, it's terrifying. One of them was locked in a, in a hotel room with him. She, she couldn't get out. Another said that he, he backed her into her bedroom, held her down on the bed and forced himself on her. I mean, these are, these are terrible times. Mm.
1: Were you able to get to justice in your case?
6: No, I, 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 I felt unable to do anything at the time. Right. Again, I was powerless.
1: And do you feel as though maybe because of this, perhaps there might be something you could now do?
6: Um, not in the case that I was in. I, I, I was attacked by a man for the first time when I was 11 years old. Um, it's it's not at all possible for me to do anything about that now. I, I often think about it, and certainly in the wake of Me Too, it, it, it's something that, that, that I've had to think about some, some further. Okay. But uh, it's, it's not possible to revisit that situation, and I'm sure that there's a lot of further victims out there who, who are, you know, unable to take action. But I mean, for those who feel empowered or for those who feel that they can, I think this is a real call to arms. And I think there's something extremely inspiring about the bravery of these almost 90 women who've been able to come forward and, and be heard.
1: I absolutely agree. Danielle, so much uh, thanks for you coming on. Thank you very much for telling us that story as well, and, and hopefully um, whoever it is that was responsible for that uh, will have somehow faced some kind of justice for something. But that, unfortunately, is the situation for a lot of women uh, in this world, and Harvey Weinstein going down for 29 years, I think, would be the best thing that could possibly happen uh, if it was in any way able to help just one person uh, who had been through something so awful. What an absolutely ghastly individual.
3: Morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent
0: Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
1: Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, the home of common sense. The only place you hear it uh, in many ways is here on Talk Radio, because a lot of other places, all you hear is a lot of old guff, the same old rubbish, the same old nonsense. Here we tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Chris says this, as a caravan owner, Mike, I believe there isn't an electric vehicle capable of towing one. and That's over a million people who are affected. And Pete says the range of electric cars is simply not good enough, and hybrid is best at present. Well, you say that, but hybrids actually are being now phased out by the government. I'm joined now by a man who doesn't have an electric Car and I can't imagine him ever having an electric car. <laughs> Donald Cameron McLeod of the Clan McLeod. Hello there. Uh, Hello. How are you? Very
7: good morning. Welcome to uh, Civilization. You've yeah, come well, down Civilization with an you,
1: electric car. Did you fly down here this morning? Yeah, I did indeed. Glasgow? I
7: flew down from not from Glasgow, flew from Edinburgh into City. Okay. And I actually managed to get on the tube and go the right way. Oh, well done. <laughs> Do you see anybody well, with uh, any sort of coronavirus suits on anywhere? No, but I was sneezed a lot deliberately, you know. Well, like, oops, it's, it's a I difficult actually, thing, isn't it? It really you, is. You go, I chewed everybody goes, What? No. Amazing yeah. pictures Oy. from
1: uh, Milan this morning, by the way. Oh, yeah, well, uh, of those guys sitting on the Milan Metro. Oh, Imagine if you got it. on
7: a train and they're all sitting there like that. I'd love to be there. Just what a laugh, mm. you know, just walking it's about. It's bizarre to be able it? to see the place without all these tourist bars yeah. you, and all that. Well, Tom Cruise has left the place apparently and oh, come back to London. A mission impossible. So, bit, what are you doing it? in London? <laughs> well, I'm obviously and seeing what have you, you? And what have you. Oh, got there? yeah, well, I've got you a wee present. Have you? As it's Pancake Tuesday. Yes. Or Fat Tuesday, Shrobe as I call it. Yes. Or Corona Tuesday. So, Here's some Scotch pancakes. Oh, thank you very much indeed. <laughs> you well seen that. No, I right, didn't make are, them myself. You, know, you can see these are very, very small
1: pancakes. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, let's see what the, the cell slightly larger well than a note cake. They're good for until March, <laughs> second of March. <laughs> What's in to, them? Do you know? I used to eat these when I was a child uh, with butter. Uh-huh. Just like you know, it wasn't, you he wasn't. He didn't panc- You didn't need golden syrup on them. Yeah.
7: Yeah. They're very nice. Well, thank you.
1: That's very nice. Well, there
7: kind. you go. Fat Tuesday.
1: Last time you came, you brought me a really nice bottle of wine from Portugal. So you've up. that. Did you keep it? I've obviously gone down in your estimation
3: you know, I'll be so back not. down in March we'll get you another <laughs> bottle away.
1: now listen let's talk about electric cars because you're going to be hosting in Glasgow the, um, uh, the there's a World Climate Change Summit oh. uh, now apparently some people said why doesn't he put Nicola Sturgeon in charge for it um, but there's a lot of people who might say well she's not having a great
7: time at the moment well yes uh, the, the SNP are not having a great time at all at the moment why? what's you? going on? Just, just, I think the big machine is moving, moving on them. They're making mistakes, as any government does, uh, going you know after ten years in power. Yeah. But overall, they've done a great job. I think um, you know. I think we mentioned earlier the Mary Black thing. You know, well, Mary Black is, is in trouble today. For yes. those of
1: you who don't know, she <laughs> took a friend of hers, who's a drag queen, uh, who goes by the name of Flo Job, Apparently, what was um, that? She, uh, she took her into a primary school. Um, uh, where she did her thing. And as somebody's pointed out here, this is quite a good one, Rich says this, a guide for anyone interested in joining the modern left wing. It is acceptable for a drag queen who threatens to punch women in the face to tour around a primary school. It is not acceptable for a Yorkshire MP to drink Yorkshire tea. That's kind
7: of where we are, isn't it? Well, mean, well, you've got a, a, a Tory MP, Grundy from Lee, dropping his pants in pubs and stuff like that. Yeah. There's, there's worse 13 crimes. years there, ago. There's worse crimes there's worse crimes, yeah. and uh, Mary Black should be commended for being one of the youngest MPs to go into the House of Parliament, and she does in general talk a lot of sense, I think there was an error of judgement certainly on, on this one. Well you she's know.
1: defending taking this woman uh, uh, into the into the primary school, this drag queen into the primary school but there's a lot of people not very happy about it.
7: Well, I, you, know, I, I, you know, I'm you know i a parent I wouldn't, mean, you know, wouldn't that happen in a, a primary school, yeah. I think it's up to parents to decide, mm. you know, at what age the kids or the children uh, get indoctrinated or get told about the different genders and sex the primary school seems a bit young for me. it lacks young. common sense but back to the cops 26 yeah. which seems to be all lacking common sense and there's people on one side saying, oh, it should be Boris sharing and or Nicholas. It's happening the other. in what, November, right? I, in November, but yeah. I think we should all just cool our jets a wee bit and mm. actually look at what is going to happen in Glasgow you yeah. know, at that point. Where are, there, they, where are they talking about how? Well, it? down at the hydro, SEC hydro, right. and they're talking, you know, there's rumours, what's annoying, everybody here, there's rumours, two-mile exclusion zone, uh, up, could be up to 100,000 demonstrators, there is talk of no private and no public vehicles being being allowed due to threat of terror. Isn't really? it? Now, you, you know Glasgow, yeah. you know... It's a... Quite a big, big area. Yeah, it is a big area, uh, but no answers. I think that's the main thing. And then, of course, if somebody and also said, "There's a
1: lot of people who commute by yeah. car because you know the public transport's all right if you live in some places, but not in others." So uh, you can't you can't ban cars, can you?
7: Well, yeah, the SEC, the exclusion zone that's going to be right beside the Kingston Bridge. That's right. one of the main arteries through Glasgow yeah. from the you know east to the west, that's right, east to 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 work. north to exactly north to the south. Um, shame they didn't have it there. <laughs> you were working. Yeah, well, Never right. been able to get it, there. It's just answers we need, and uh, you know. And who's in and, charge of it in in Glasgow? Is it the Glasgow City Council? Well, the, the Glasgow City Council are obviously host, being part of the host city. Yeah. Host um, city, but they're not in charge of it. The government, the UK government, is right. in charge of it, and by that. It looks as if the police are in charge of right. it but what police are in charge of it we don't know mm. because it's an international police force i mean you've got a, got
1: a bunch of businesses up in up in yeah. scotland you've mm. got the garage very famously in the middle of sucky hall street um i mean as a business owner presumably they're supposed to keep you in the loop well
7: we're all very worried as businesses we, we do don't know whether it should be opening and welcoming them all the the, the, the delegates in with open arms yeah. Or are we going to be excluded from going in? Is it going to become a no goes right. and no goes city? Uh, and of course, coronavirus was you know. Well, I mean, who knows to where we'll UV be? Bubbles. By, going well,
1: by the, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, you know, it's 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 not really clear how how much that's going to keep spreading and mm. how bad it's going to get.
7: Yeah, well, that, that, that could be devastating. Right. I don't know if the UK would take the same line. Uh, I would hope not in the public health because yeah. the quarantines, to my view, the quarantine's not working. Does well, I mean, mat- it doesn't matter where it is, it's not working. Well, it seems as though the people they put in quarantine in the Wirral uh, in the first instance
1: have all now come out of that and they're all fine. Uh-huh. But putting somebody on a plane who's got the disease uh, or the virus without knowing whether they've got it or not with a lot of other people doesn't seem great.
7: Well, they actually had what, only 4,000 people or something in a boat, and mm. I think about three of them had it. Yeah. They ended up with over 600. Yes, <laughs> I mean, it's not good. <laughs> That's a good quarantine. It's not isn't good.
1: So, I mean, as far as the SNP, let's go back to the SNP for a minute, mm-hmm. you know... Nicola Sturgeon hasn't actually more hasn't actually said
7: that she wants to be put in charge of this climate change. No, summit. she wants. There want a platform there, and I think it's only right that the Scottish government do have a platform there, as it's only right that the UK government mm. has a platform there. We shouldn't be arguing over what bloody flags are no. being flown. Well, you it, know, no. that, that, this is where it's getting. Really pathetic, and you're getting trolls one side, trolls another, right. and then, you know, let's bring it together. If it's going to happen, let's make it the best we can make it. Well, you it. just need a Union Jack, don't you? Yeah, no, we need a wee bit more. Why? Because there is a Scottish government but it's out, the united it's Kingdom, in Scotland. Though, yeah, it's not that united at the moment, well, though, it's not, is it? No, well, that's because of the SNP. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, if the no, event, no, no. But it's turn a, turn it the other no, way. No, but it's a UK not, government. Event, I think right? all flags should be flown, and think the host nation, Scotland, should be allowed to fly its flag, and let you know that just be daft not to. But I think... It's the cost of it as well. How much is it costing? Nobody knows how much it is at. 450, 250 million euros.
1: Well, exactly right. And and, we don't seem to care
7: how much things cost anymore because they've announced that they're going to spend 100 billion on HS2. Well, that's it, exactly. I mean, there there is, uh, right across the UK, there's these terrible decisions getting made and it's not their money. They just throw the money Mm. about.
1: Yeah. But why is it that the SNP have now suddenly found themselves in this place where a lot of people are saying they're not doing a great job and they're not actually looking after their own government? as well as they should. Well, I
7: think, after, as I say, I go back 10 years in government, but when you actually, you know, you get that criticism. But the last election, in uh, the general election, proved that people su- still support the SNP in vast numbers. I mean, the Tories lost... I think half the seats mm. that they had. Labour are down to one seat. Yeah. Uh, and so the biggest party, I'll not even mention the Lib Dems because there's no point. There's not a lot of point uh, no, 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 there is not even down here. Well, Jo uh, Swinson didn't you know. even win a seat. So well, I mean, she can't even get She's not going into the Lords. Nope. That better not happen. No. But the, the SNP have provided stable government in general, over the piece. But there is a, there is a dark clouds on the horizon, yes. obviously, with, with salmon. Right. Um, and you have, obviously, you know, just this with th- thing with Mary Black. I, personally, I like Mary Black. I think she's been great, been great for Parliament, encouraging you, the youth... You know, kids... A lot of guessed. people really don't you like them. either hate... Them, well, it's like the SNP, you yeah. either hate them or you like really. them. But there seems to be more people in Scotland like them than hate them. But I think that was a big mistake. But uh, the, it, it's not looking great in the short term. But over the peace. People are staying loyal. Even with all the flack with the salmon, the vote percentage is staying above the 50%. Yeah, you know.
1: but whether they'd win a second referendum is another story. Yeah, stay, another story. stay where you are, because we'll, we'll take a few calls and we'll talk about this some more. Uh, Donald McLeod is here. We'll also talk about something he wrote about this weekend in his column, uh, which is post-Brexit. You know, what's the, what's the market like uh, for people coming to work and live not only in the UK, uh, but in Scotland as well? Uh, this is Talk Radio. Back soon.
0: Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio.
1: Welcome back to the Independent Republican, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. Matthew Wright coming up from one o'clock. Dan Wooten coming up from four uh, every single day here right on uh, drive uh, till seven o'clock. And then you've got James Whale, of course. What could be better? Uh, Talk Radio, the one place where you hear uh, common sense. Coming up later on today, uh, we'll be filming Plank of the Week. Uh, I'll be in the company of Jerry Hayes uh, and Alex Phillips, who is, of course, the uh, former Brexit Party MEP uh, for this uh, land of ours. And uh, we will be nominating another top ten list of planks. Uh, last week, Shemima. Begum was the winner and was the number one. Yesterday, though, uh, we did our weekly uh, conversation on Off Air. Douglas Carswell joined me, former Tory MP, former UKIP MP, of course, as well. Uh, he had quite a lot to say about the BBC. I heard from a BBC
0: journalist the other day saying, you know, the BBC was really good value and incredibly good value mm. for money, which I was right, in which case they'll have no difficulty in attracting people yeah. uh, as subscribers every month like yes. Netflix does. Yeah. But Netflix would never be allowed to threaten you
1: with a prison sentence no. for not renewing it subscription. Well, well, not only not renewing it, but making you have one. I, I mean, that's the effect. There'd be a guy from Netflix knocking at the door <laughs> going, excuse me, you haven't paid to watch us, <laughs> so I'm afraid we're going to make you watch us. If I was 20 years younger and I was looking to go into politics, I'd be
0: focusing, number one, on taking on the BBC cartel, yeah. getting rid of the licence fee, and, and also doing something about the universities. The universities are like the BBC. They're this protected cartel that uses that incredibly privileged position mm. to promote an obnoxious leftist woke agenda. Yeah. I, I, I think that's the next big,
1: the next big battle. That is the next big battle. And we talk about an awful lot of things uh, along those lines and what the next big battle is about the civil service trying to hijack the government, about the BBC, trying to make out that they are the only opposition to the government uh, and about all of these kind of, you know, ridiculous lefties as well uh, who want to make everybody's life a misery uh, and prevent anyone from having a view other than the one that they like to promote uh, because that would be undemocratic. Uh, 0344 499 1000. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, We've got many people to talk to. We're going to talk about the NHS. We're going to talk about health inequality quality uh, with men actually first though jenny is in high wickham wants to talk about hydrogen hi jenny
8: oh hello there mike hi how are, um how yeah, are I'd you? Like, I, i'm well thank you i'd like to talk to you about hydrogen energy because my daughter works in it actually does she okay she works, yeah she works um she has graduated from oxford with a first class uh from from oxford well in done 2015. yeah i know she's bright girl <laughs> very bright girl so she works for Element Energy it's, and she goes around Europe and at the moment they're doing this hydrogen bus thing because um, oh, they're all going to have hydrogen fuel buses. Right. By, I'm pretty like sure the,
1: I've seen I mean. hydrogen fuel buses in London. I think we've got some.
8: Uh, you, you search me. She's the expert. in right. It's not me, but she, she travels around Europe doing this sort of thing and uh, Element Energy is, is an expert in, in that field, and uh, and that's what they do. So they she just goes around and tries to introduce these hydrogen buses all over the place. And so I think that's quite a good idea, actually. And I actually think we've got one in Beaconsfield, which is near me. Okay. Uh, you know, a hydrogen fueling station. I think Madeline said that it's one of the only ones around. Because, you know, earlier you were saying, oh, it's all very well, but people can't, you know, charge up their vehicles and all the rest yes. of it with, the, with the electric thing. Well, I actually think, that there's something in Beckinsville where they can do it. But anyway, there okay. is... OK, well, funny enough, I've got a tweet here from
1: there. somebody who, whose name is a bit weird, so I'm not going to read it out, but they say hydrogen is a liquid under pressure and delivered at a pump the same way as petrol is, except in a sealed pressure mechanism. The tank is thus more robust than standard fuel tanks and currently is located in the boot of the car. Well, that's not so right. much use if you want to put stuff in the boot, is
8: it? Uh, well, you know, you you can't you can't you can't um, interrogate me on it because I'm not an expert in <laughs> No, the I don't want to do all. that.
1: I don't want to uh, do that. I'm just. I mean, I've got a lot of questions. You know.
8: Yeah, but I know that she's um, part of the team that's introducing these things all over the big cities in Europe, and she travels all over Europe doing this.
3: Okay. And
8: that, that is that is her actual job. She's a senior consultant, project manager. At this uh, at this place. Okay. At this Element Energy. Interesting. So. Yeah, so she's she's there's a joint initiative for the hydrogen vehicles across Europe. It's called Jive or something, okay. and uh, she's giving a conference on it very soon. Maybe you should get her up. to call me. And so, well, she's busy working. She's probably in Europe today. I'm mean, yes. in London now. Well, the next time she's home days. with you,
1: tell her to give us a ring, and we yeah. can talk to her about it.
8: Absolutely, yeah.
1: All right, Jenny. Well, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Very kind. Now, you see, there's all sorts of information you can find out by talking to people in the real world. And people who listen to this show are very much living in the real world. I should tell you, uh, just before I take the next call, apparently one school has closed down, another one has shut its sixth form uh, up in Cheshire uh, after students returned from half-term ski trips to Italy. That just reminded me. I think my kids' school went on a half-term ski trip to Italy. That's a bit of a worry. I might have to, might have to make a call. Uh, let's talk to Minachi he wants to talk about health inequality. Hello, Minachi.
4: Hi. How I, are you? Not bad. Good.
1: Hi. What, can, what can I do for you?
4: Well, you were talking about health inequalities and I've been campaigning for quite a while in my local area about mm. health inequalities. Okay. And unfortunately, I've come to the conclusion, very sadly, that it's quite deliberate um, what's going on. Mm. Um, what sort of
1: a, where, whereabouts are you?
4: I'm in Redbridge.
1: Okay, in Essex. In Essex,
4: Redbridge, yes. Essex. Yeah, okay. in Ilford,
1: So, what yes. have you? What have yes. you found in your studies?
4: Well, I, I mean, it's not studies as well as going along to all the meetings and yeah, looking at their documents, etcetera, et cetera, And what 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 we found really is that it seems to be an absolute plan to, um, be- you know, because of the, the stress on money at the moment, that, will, ha- you know, they're draining the, the more deprived areas. That's why it's got worse in the last 10 years, not better, because actually money's being shifted through various means from the more deprived areas to the more richer ones, which is totally, you know, absolutely immoral.
1: Yeah, well, um, I'm not quite sure who's moving the money, though. Who are you talking about?
4: Well, well, if you think about how money is allocated to the clinical commissioning group, because each borough, each area has clinical commissioning groups. Mm. For instance, in London, what they use is an algorithm, which is, you know, some sort of computer where they put in various factors and that determines how much money different areas get.
1: Right. You're talking about health areas, right, rather than actual local authority areas?
4: Well, they, they correspond, don't they, to the borough.
1: Well, you've normally got an NHS trust running whatever would be the hospitals in Essex, right?
4: That's hospitals. But the CCGs are for the primary care, And all the other stuff. Right,
3: okay. The
4: the trustee, the hospitals. Right. So, you know, for primary care, et cetera. So, for instance, in London, Kensington and Chelsea get a lot of money, and we, we in Redbridge get a really and really small amount for our population, which is growing all the time because we've got a huge amount of building going on. So, Um, You have that inequality and I've gone to CCG meetings and they say, oh, yes, this is a historic thing. We know about it. And they're letting it happen. Um, And what to further, you know, how it gets embedded then within Redbridge, which is a very unequal borough. We've got a lot of really very um, well off areas and some that are really deprived. Yeah. The money gets shifted again away from the more deprived areas. To the more affluent, simply by uh, what happens in the CCGs, because they um, they refuse to put equality at the forefront. Because if you want to, if you want to make equality, you know, if you want everybody to have a decent um, uh, health, unfortunately, you can't give. Everything to the more affluent. Yeah. You have Although to... some
1: people would tell you, men, um, actually, that of course Kensington and Chelsea um, may have a reputation of being affluent, but it's not actually just an affluent borough. I mean, Grenfell no. Tower was in Kensington and Chelsea, which was certainly not an affluent area.
4: No, no, absolutely, absolutely. So you have that, but what I'm saying is, the you know, Redbridge is like that. It's equally divided. However, in Kensington and Chelsea, they've got that money. So hopefully they are passing it on to the more deprived areas. Yes. That's what I'm getting at, that equality is not. And and, I, and it's absolutely the case, because if you look at the algorithm, there's a little document that comes with the algorithm, um, how they do it. And it says, oh, we are not sure of the equality impacts of this algorithm. So what that means is they've never bothered to see how their allocations are playing out. Only this report that came out today, that's telling us what's happening. But they don't want to know.
1: Well, perhaps the report will will somehow make more of them aware of it and maybe they'll look into it some more. Interesting, fascinating conversation, actually. Thank you for calling us and letting us know. Uh, It may be something we'd take a look at, actually, over the course of the next couple of weeks and try and make sense of it. It's quite complicated by the sounds of it. Uh, Let's talk to Mike, uh, who's in York, uh, the land of Yorkshire tea. Mike, a very good uh, afternoon to you. Yeah, I'm quite
3: offended
1: by what I've I've heard uh, (laughs) on the political language. Well, it's shocking, Um, isn't it? Absolutely shocking. Well, the thing is, like, is uh, hatred has manifested itself in the equity union. It's quite clear that they're spiteful people. Yeah. Now, hope not hate is a charity sponsored by the NEC, yeah. headed by Corbyn, the TUC, headed by Francis O'Grady. So will the uh, Labour candidates, mm. Randy Starmer and bailer
0: will they condone or reject such behaviour?
1: Well, it would be nice if they did, but the trouble is, you probably know that they won't because they know that these people have somehow hijacked the Labour Party. Uh, they are the reason why Rebecca Long-Bailey will not ditch Jeremy Corbyn and his ideas, the reason why none of them will, and the reason why none of them will will, will uh, denounce it. I think the biggest problem for, for us ordinary folk is we've nowhere to go to vent out a frustration that these people can say what they like yeah. about Yorkshire and then... Kind of walk away and think, oh, i will take that box. We'll do something else next week. Yeah, yeah, I know. You're absolutely right. Well, luckily, you've got this particular radio station where you can vent your spleen, Mike, at any time. You're not, you're not equity member, are you? Uh, I'm not actually. No, no. I, I, you know, I just like that guy that used to do the advert. You know, I'm not, am not a doctor, but I play one on TV. <laughs> no, I'm never joining any a union. No, I was offered. I was once in the N.U.J. Uh, and I once went when I went to work in America. Uh, I said to them, "Is there any reason why I should remain in the Nuj National Union Journalists?" And they said, "Well, um, you know, obviously uh, you'll, you'll you'll be protected by our uh, you know our, our our great rights scenario." And I said, "Well, how are you going to protect me working in a foreign country?" Uh, and he went, "Well, we can't." And he said, "Well, we'll charge you more money to be a member." Uh, we won't give you any more protection than you've got now. So I said, I think I'll just uh, pass. Thanks very much indeed. And that was the end of that. So uh, my uh, short, brief history of uh, trade unionism didn't last very long. Mike, listen, thanks very much. We've got to run because already the show is over. I can't believe that we've reached one o'clock. It doesn't seem as if we've been here for more than half an hour. But that's the way it goes in the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Coming up later on, look out for Plank of the Week. Look out for the podcast, uh, which we do every single day. Uh, and of course, if you haven't seen all of the show today, you can watch it again on YouTube, on facebook and on twitter uh, as they have recorded it all for your delectation talk radio
0: across the uk online on dab and on your smart speaker the independent republic of mike graham on talk radio